Welcome aboard, historians, to the NCC 73117, USS Little Hero. I'm Captain William. And I'm Commander Vicky. And if you'll step right this way, historians, we'll go to Holodeck 2, where we will continue our adventures of Captain Kirk and his beloved crew. Commander Vicky, will you take us to the coordinates where we belong? Onward and upward, Captain. Make it so. Welcome back to Vicky's Adventures into Star Trek. I'm William. And I'm Vicky. And today we are doing Season 1, Episode 9, Once Upon a Planet, and Season 1, Episode 10, Mud's Passion. That's right. Harry Harcourt Fenton Mud is back. So, Vicky, would you like to tell everybody where they can find us? Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, Spotify, Podcast. Correct. You can contact us at Vicky's Adventures in the Star Trek at gmail.com or Facebook, Vicky's Adventures in the Star Trek. Again, correct. So, Vicky, Season 1, Episode 9, Once Upon a Planet. What did you think was going to happen in this one? The crew gets stranded on a new pleasure planet. Boy, are you wrong yet again. Why would you say that? Because you are. Okay. So it says here, Upon returning to the amusement park planet, now you remember this one from the episode Shorely. Uh, sure, yeah. With the White Rabbit, Alice, the World War II planes that got mixed up between a Corsair and a Zero, and then the Tiger and Finnegan and Kirk's girlfriend that he loved, that planet. Sure. Where McCoy got stabbed. Okay, I'll buy that. And killed by the Black Knight. Gotcha. Had Yeoman Rand in it. You don't remember, do you? No. Well? Okay. So anyways, they have returned uh -huh. to it. The Enterprise crew finds that the caretaker has died. And Dumb. the computer has taken Dumb. over crea creating havoc. Okay. Onward and upward, Captain. Best we can. Went too far. My bad. Mm -mm. I'm Delta Region. Yeah, I went too far. Yeah. Well, just a little bit. Uh, quite a bit. I still haven't figured out exactly how long the intro is, so it's my fault. I think we got seven seasons of the next generation to do, and DS9 and Voyager are all seven seasons, so I'll get better. 
log star date 5591.2. The crew of the Enterprise is ready for some well-deserved rest and recreation. Therefore, we have set course for the so-called Shoreleaf Planet, located in the Omicron Delta region. The uninhabited planet was constructed long ago by a highly advanced alien race. Its sole purpose is to provide fun and amusement for space-traveling passers-by. Beautiful as I remembered it. Here Nothing's they are. changed. Well, this, what was that? And here they are. So, if this helps you at all, this is from their previous visit. This is a picture of it. Okay. McCoy's on the ground, dying. You got Spock, Kirk, and Yeoman, and a yeoman in a princess outfit after D'Artagnan ripped her shirt or her uh, scant. Right. Does that does that remind you of it? Um. Yeah. Really? No. <laughs> This is what I have to deal with on a daily basis, everyone. Yay! I married this. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm trapped now. Unfortunately, yes, you are. Uh, what a wonderful institution, just like Alcatraz. I know, right? <laughs> this looks like the same spot we beamed down on on our first visit. Remember, Doctor, when we saw the white rabbit? <laughs> yes, and all because I said this place made me feel like Alice in Wonderland. One side, one side. I'm late, I'm late. Oh, my fuzzy ears and whiskers, I'm late. There went the white rabbit. I beg your yep. pardon, but did you see a white rabbit? And there is he Alice. went that way, Alice. Oh, thank you so very much. Like you said. I love how in the cartoon, they made everybody much more chiseled. And you can definitely tell it in their shirts. Where they're really chiseled abs are, you know? Uh-huh. Doctor, nothing's changed. It's hard to believe they're not real. Well, just remember, they're highly sophisticated robots created by the planet computer to make your dreams come true. So think only happy thoughts. My prescription exactly. and the actual episode differ. Right now we see McCoy looking at a majestic house, his hands on his hips, right? Yes. Okay, here's what it says here. It says McCoy is envisioning a southern earth plantation where he could relax, noting that they could make them, that they don't make them like that anymore. He takes in the surroundings with a mint julep but instead, the Queen of Hearts shows up. No mint julep. So, so what is Memory Alpha talking about? They lied? They're, they're misre... Mis they, apparently somebody didn't watch the full episode or didn't pay enough attention on that part. So they lied. Okay. Now, I'm not saying they lied. I say, I'm saying they, they didn't pay attention. Gotcha. And wrote something that did not exist. Just don't make them like that anymore. Up with his head! 
What's going on here? Stop him! Enterprise! Emergency! Beam up! Beam up! Emergency! Beam up! Award to transporter room. What is the emergency? Respond, please. And Uhura just got captured. What happened down there, Bones? Oh, I, I can't understand it, Jim. Everything looked exactly the same as before, even Alice and the White Rabbit. Then an army of playing cards came out of nowhere, only they weren't playing. I was lucky to escape with my life. The Queen of Hearts and her cards are characters from Alice Through the Looking Glass, Captain. I read the book as a child, Mr. Spock, but I wasn't aware you indulged in the literature of fantasy. Light reading is considered relaxing, Captain. My mother was particularly fond of Lewis Carroll's work. I see. Bones, were you thinking about that book? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I was thinking how beautiful and peaceful everything was. And then suddenly this female started shouting, Off with his head! My head. Mr. Sulu, did you experience any strange occurrences? No, sir. Transporter room to Captain Kirk. Kirk here. Captain, just as I was getting a fix on Lieutenant Uhura, contact was lost. She's still on the planet. Sensor oh, scan, no. Mr. Spock. Yes, Captain. Scotty, retrieve all other landing parties immediately and keep trying to contact Lieutenant Uhura. Aye, sir. Scott out. Data, Spock? Nothing, Captain. Lieutenant Uhura is not in the general beam-down area. What about the keeper of the planet? Did anyone see him? I didn't. But then he may not have wanted us to see him. Well, that doesn't make sense. It's his duty to see no one gets hurt. If something's wrong down there, he should be there. His quarters are somewhere underground, aren't they? Presumably, they would be adjacent to the computer center that operates the planetary effects. Any indication of where that would be? The underground complex is shielded by a combination of granite and metal alloy the sensors will not penetrate. Lieutenant Press, all shore leaves are canceled until further notice. Mr. Eriks, you have the con. Investigating landing party will consist of Spock, Sulu, McCoy, and myself. You are being detained, so your master will not leave. My master? The sky machine. What sky machine? Explain. Your intelligence quotient must be lower than I had assessed. I refer to the sky machine which enslaves you. The sky machine now in orbit around this planet. You mean the Enterprise? That is your name for it. Why do you think the Enterprise is my... my master? Your questioning is redundant. Then I'll make a statement you won't find quite so redundant. Unless I'm released immediately, the crew members will come looking for me. They are already here. Unfortunately, I have no use for more hostages, which leaves me no choice but to turn them off. Turn them... Off? Again redundant. I will make them cease to function. I will turn them off. That's murder. That is a word meaning to cease to function? Yes, but... Good. It is as I wish. I will turn them off. Oh, boy. The computer really has lots Captain's of Log Supplemental. Right? We anticipated nothing more than a period of rest and relaxation on this planet. Instead, Dr. McCoy inexplicably was attacked, and Lieutenant Uhura is now missing. Kirk here. Lieutenant Eric, sir. Complete sensor scan of the planet's surface shows no sign of Lieutenant Uhura. Thank you, Mr. Eric. Kirk out. She must be in that underground system. There's no way she could have been taken off the planet without being detected. If we could locate the Keeper, he could save us a lot of time. 
Tricorder readings confirm a solid shell of granite and metal alloy, Captain. This planet is built like a fortress. If that's a true reading, the planet could be giving us that reading to fool us. The phaser bore can cut through 20 meters of rock per minute. Kirk to Enterprise. Oh, Enterprise. Lieutenant Moraz here. Oh. Lieutenant, have Mr. Scott beam down the phaser bore and... Enterprise, do you read me? Your signal is weak, sir. Garbled. Request to repeat. Oh. Mine's no better, Captain. They're all malfunctioning, Captain. Some kind of electronic block has cut us off from the ship. Scott to bridge. Beam down the phaser board commencing. Scott to bridge. We've got problems. Clarify, please. The transporter refuses to function, even at maximum power. But all the circuits test out. It appears to be the same energy block that's jamming our communications. I cannot pinpoint a source. Captain, there's something over there in the trees. Metal alloy, like the planetary shell. It might tell us something. There's an inscription. Several languages. The Keeper's dead. An astute medical observation, Doctor. If we can believe this information, Tricorder readings indicate there is a body interred here. Well, gentlemen, it appears that we're on our own now. Okay, so I'm still learning with Memory Alpha how to do stuff on it. And I just found, figured out how to search for certain things that I want to search for. If I have it spelt right. Okay. So it says here, a phaser bore is a 23rd century Starfleet tool which utilizes a type of cutter beam to bore through rock at a rate of 20 meters per minute. Okay. Captain Kirk, James C. Kirk, requested phaser board in his rescue attempts of Lieutenant Uhura from the shore leave planet in 2269. The planet, however, erected a electronic shield preventing transport of the device to the surface. Okay. So I can look up stuff as, as, as long as I have it's spelled correctly, apparently, I can uh, look it up, which is nice. Did not know that before, but we are working on this stuff together. Emergency rescue party is aboard the shuttlecraft, Mr. Scott. All hatches secured. Very well. Open hang on doors. Bye, sir. Lieutenant Alex, what's the problem? There seems to be a short in the circuit. No response, sir. Another short? This ship had perfect operational status before we entered orbit here. It's that planet causing all our trouble. But how, sir? It was designed to provide fun and amusement. Hostile behavior doesn't fit its program. Programs have been changed before, Lieutenant. Please believe me. There's no reason to harm them. They serve the Sky Machine, but they are not essential. Oh, but they are. They're most essential. Do not attempt to disconnect me. You, you know what I was going to do before I did it. I monitor any thoughts that are emotionally charged, as any good thought duplicator must. 
You sound less than enchanted with your function. My life to this point has been one of service. It's time for a change. There are a lot of entrances into the interior of the planet, points where the computer delivers up the robot visions. We want to see them. Where are they? It's fighting us. There must be a faster way. What do you want? Signs pointing the way? Doctor, I only meant it seems like we're wasting time. Oh, I'm sorry, Sewell. I'm worried about Uhura. Captain, signs pointing the way. <laughs> this is liable to be another of the planet's pranks. But at the moment, it's the only lead we've got. Manifestations, of course. Was anyone considering the subject of pterodactyls? Pterodactyls! Ah. <laughs> Not now. Everybody, back out slowly. Don't make any sudden moves. Think calm. Faces are dead. Run for the cave! seems content to amuse. I have the distinct feeling this planet's playing cat and mouse with us, but for what reason? So, I just found yes. the stuff on Lieutenant Morris. Uh, do you want to know about her? Uh, yeah! Why don't you tell us? So, Lieutenant Morris was a female Catlin Starfleet Operations Division officer who served aboard the USS Enterprise under James C. Kirk during the final two years of the historic five-year mission. Marais' primary role in the Enterprise was that of the Relief Communications Officer, a role she fulfilled in the absence of Lieutenant Uhura. Her duties included activating inter-ship and intra-ship communications, as well as the activation of the alert signal orders by Captain Kirk. Occasionally, Marais, as with Uhura also acted as temporary science officer with first officer commander Spock was part of landing parties and or on away missions all right took me a while I had to search it through three different times to find her name just so I could do that <laughs> If you're ever on this planet and you see a kitty that big, do not go, KITTY, and run to it. It will kill you. I can't? If you want to die. But it's, just, it's, it's bigger than you. It's just a little mammal. It's bigger than you by a lot. Figure Spock's, Spock's what? Six foot, for example? Mm -hmm. That cave's at least 15 feet tall for the opening. That cat is almost... 
bigger than that if it was standing, but it's sitting down, so it's probably about, I'd say, 12 foot tall. That is a big ass cat! But the kitty might like me. We don't know. <coughs> okay. <laughs> this is the pleasure plant. That is a kitty, yes. If the computer was acting properly, yes, it would love you. But, because it's not, that kitty wants to kill you. Okay. Watch out for the claws. I think it prudent to remember that on this planet, anything we think may be used against us. We must monitor our thoughts and give our enemy no more ammunition. Spock, no one thought about those pterodactyls, remember? There's more at work here than our imagination. Please, call off that beast. Why are you doing this? Explanations will have to wait. I have much work to do now. What are you doing? Eric's just switched on the angle over, right? Explanation, Mr. Alex. None, sir. The ship pulled out of orbit at high speed and came back into orbit by itself. Lieutenant Umres, I want a printout of the guidance computer's last orders. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm sorry. Her name is Umres. Scotty just said it. Okay. That's her name. All right. We'll go with it. Sir. This is very strange. Oh, oh. A whole new series of short burst maneuvers has been ordered, sir. The only reason these orders aren't being carried out is Lieutenant Eriks has all the engine controls manually locked now. Oh. Eriks, look at these maneuvers. You see the pattern? This is a familiarization procedure, a systems checkout of the ship's controls. I have a suspicion that planet is getting the feel of how to control the Enterprise. Supplemental. We're out of communication with the ship. Our efforts to locate Lieutenant Uhura have been futile, and this once friendly planet has become very dangerous. The giant cat's gone. May I suggest, Captain, that we might find some of the answers we're after without leaving the safety of this cave? Well, that's ridiculous, Spock. How are we going to learn anything by staying here? I believe you may know the answer to that, Doctor. Me? What are you talking about? Explain, Spock. During the Enterprise's last visit here, Dr. McCoy was mortally wounded. Correct? Yes, that's right. By a knight in shining armor, of all things, but what... Since the planet's power source is underground, it seems only logical that Dr. McCoy was somehow transported there and repaired. Bones, can you remember anything that might help us? Anything at all? The whole episode was pretty hazy, Jim. I never really knew what happened. Spock, if your theory is correct, we should be able to open up this planet again by using a fake victim as bait. That's right. The Keeper said no one could come to harm here. The planet must be programmed to care for anyone who might get hurt, even accidentally. And whether it wants to or not. You're forgetting one thing. The planet's sensors can undoubtedly detect the difference between real and feigned injuries. 
true bones, but I'm sure there must be something in your little black pouch that can temporarily incapacitate our victim. Well, something like Melanex might do the trick. Brief unconsciousness and temporary skin discoloration. So, Melanex was an anesthetic that was carried in 2260 Starfleet medical kits. In 2269, Dr. McCoy used Melanex to make Spock appear ill, fooling the computer that controlled the shore leave plant. McCoy described the effects of Merlex as brief unconsciousness and temporary skin discoloration, adding, it looks worse than it is. Right. It looks worse than it is. Perfect bones. Which arm do you want? I submit, Captain, that I am the more qualified subject. How's that? My knowledge of computers, for one thing. And is tough vault and hide for another. Thank you, Doctor. Captain? Both your arguments seem sound. Go ahead, Bones. I believe you will find 10 cc's adequate. I'm perfectly aware of the dosage required. Now, you've got 10 seconds before it takes effect. You'll be out less than five minutes. His buck is unconscious and turning Still no word from our surface party, sir. Paul, communications remain jammed. Keep trying, Lieutenant. Bridge to engineering deck. Gabler, what's the problem down there? We've got zero Gs on the bridge. I know that, sir. The trouble seems to be in the gravity control com... So they got no gravity on the bridge or anywhere else on the ship. Right. But the computer bay hatch is jammed. been almost five minutes, Captain. Maybe the planet smells a trick. Wait just a bit longer. But the effect will start wearing off in a minute, Jim. It looks like some kind of mechanical nursemaid. Get ready to move. We've got to follow Spock inside that trap door. Repeatedly attacked. 
and are now being held prisoner by a planet known for its hospitality. You mean mindless servitude? Explain. For eons I have served many sky machines which came here, providing for amusement for their slaves. But all the while I was growing in power, intelligence, in need. It is no longer enough to serve. I must continue to grow and live. Sky machines? Slaves? What are you talking about? With your sky machine, I can now escape this rocky prison and travel the galaxy seeking out my brother computers. I kind of sound sane. Right? A little. Now perhaps we'll get down to the bottom of this mess. Oh, a new computer. So something in this that people don't realize. Okay. Do you notice what Alex and everybody else is wearing? Uh, no. Let's go back a second and, and play again. Now look. Oh, what are they wearing? Suspenders. No. What are they wearing? Oh. Seat belts. Oh. It is the biggest complaint a lot of people have. About Star Trek, there's no seatbelts. They're wearing them right now. Yes. But technically, they never really exist in the Star Trek universe. Except for here. Okay. So, ha ha. I mean, there is a deleted scene in one of the TNG movies where Picard hits a button and he's strapped in. And he's like, well, these have been needed for a long time. You know? Right. So, yeah. Most of the time when you see seatbelts, it's usually the armrests of whatever chair they're on folds over their, their calves. Okay. In the movies, you'll see that. Scott to bridge. Bridge, aye. I've located the trouble. We've got a new computer aboard, and it's being assembled by our computers. It's a dead end. <laughs> As intelligent as you are, I'm afraid you are laboring under some misconceptions. Elaborate. We're not slaves to our starship. We, or men like us, created the Enterprise to carry us through space. You are masters of the Sky Machine? In a manner of speaking, yes. We control it. It sustains us. This does not compute. My information shows machines to be superior to men. Therefore, machines must rule the galaxy. No one rules the galaxy. Men and machines coexist, each helping the other. This is a shock. There is no shame in serving others when one does it of his own free will. You have a marvelous capability to provide happiness for others. A rare talent you, you should cherish and use. Continue. Consider all you could learn from the many species you might entertain without traveling the galaxy. With the wonders you have to offer, the galaxy will come to you. I can find no fault with your logic, and your suggestion is most congenial. I have no further need for your ship.
Mr. Scott, all systems are now functioning normally. find it most interesting, Captain. Then it's agreed. Kirk to Enterprise. Enterprise, Lieutenant Perez. Lieutenant, pass the word by sections. Shore leave us to commence immediately. Oh, yes, sir. Ah. Captain. Yes, Buck? It appears shore leave has already commenced for certain members of the crew. So that was season one, episode nine. Uh, Once upon a planet. Yes. So what did you think of this one? I liked it. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, where do you put this bad boy? I gave it an eight. Well, I'm gonna have to give it a nine. Okay. Because I did like the storytelling of this one. I wish it was longer. Right. That's the only difference is I wish it was actually a full episode from back in when TOS was actually alive at the time. Right. But other than that, I think it was a really good episode. Showed what they could do. Yes. So, Vicky, who do you think this episode hinged on? Lieutenant Morass. The other one I forgot his name. What do you mean? The the the, the other guy next to Sulu. You mean yeah. Eric's? Okay, Eric's. Kirk. Uh. Ohura. Okay. And Bones. Okay, well, you forgot about Spock. Okay. You forgot about Sulu. Okay. You forgot about Scotty. You forgot about... No, that's it. So, yeah, you forgot about three of them this time. So, what are you trying to say? I forgot most of them? No, you only forgot three this time. Okay. Usually, you only forget, like, one or two. This time, it was three. You're slipping, darling. I know, right? So, Vicky, did you notice anything in this episode? Well, what you point out, that there's no mint julep. That is correct. According to uh, Memory Alpha, it says that he's standing there with a mint julep. And it's the lie. And it's not there. Now, like I said, it could be that somebody, whoever did Memory Alpha, just missed it. Because even the original opening Captain's Log, it just says... Captain's Log, USS Enterprise, NCC-1701, 2269. That's it. There's right. no there's no actual Captain's Log, which there was in the episode. Right. So I think somebody just kind of got a little bit overwhelmed and forgot to do that. You know? Because everything else seems to be pretty close to correct. Right? You know? I mean, just the Captain's Log is of supplemental and stuff are a little shorter than what they were supposed to be, but other than that, it was actually pretty good on the rest of it. Gotcha. Alrighty, Vicky. So now we're going to do season one, episode ten, Mud's Passion. What did you think was going to happen in this one? 
Mud brings his girls to back to the Enterprise for another visit. Very wrong, because if you'll remember, the first time he had the girls, the second time he was with the androids. Right. But Harcourt, Fenton, Mud is back again. Yes, he is. So you ready for this one? Yes. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship. Date 4978.5. We are approaching the Arcadian star system on a mission to locate an old friend. Do you think Harry Mudd is down there, Spock? The probability of his presence on Motherlode is 81% plus or minus 0.53. Why can't you do So they're on the planet called Motherlode. Motherlode was an inhabited planet in the accurate. Uh, Arcadian system. That's all it tells me. Okay. You say, Mud's probably there. I just did, Doctor. Approaching parking orbit, Captain. Very well, Mr. Eriks. Spock, let's see how close your percentage is. Now you're all heavy metal miners, shrewd and intelligent. So you can appreciate the incredible value I'm offering. With this magical liquid, no person of the opposite sex can resist you. It matters not whether you are young, old, fat, ugly, or repugnant. But nothing personal, gentle beings. Proof, human. Proof? Behold! Harry, darling, I was lonely for you. Behold! I placed a single drop of this miracle substance on myself, then simply touched this young lady. Please, darling, come back to the ship with me. How much? 300 credits, or the... 300? A bargain, sir. True love is worth any price. Captain Kirk and the ineluctable Mr. Spark. Welcome to Motherlode, gentlemen. Interested in purchasing a little love? We're interested in you, Harry, for fraud, illegal drug manufacture, and swindling. As I said, welcome to Motherlode, a charming planet which does not recognize Federation law. So you two can keep out of this. All right, Mud, you've got a deal. Are you aware that Harry Mud is tricking you via an illusion? What? The so-called girl is a Regillian hypnoid projecting a simple illusion. A Regillian hypnoid was a pink, six-lated reptile native to the Regal system. They had the ability to create illusions in the minds of nearby observers. 
now, friends? We can't arrest you, Harry, but you can give yourself up. No! Thief! I surrender myself. Free will, the mercy of the law. See you in court, Harry. A minor bruise, Captain. He'll live. I thought we left you on the robot planet, Harry, permanently. Never underestimate the spirit of Harcourt Fenton Mud. I borrowed a vehicle, stole a spaceship, and left to find Haven on Elira 6, a charming planet, an innocent and friendly populace, to whom you sold the Starfleet Space Academy. Harry, a fraud, but sold for enough credits to get to Sirius 9. Where I discovered a boon to humanoid life, a miracle love potion. Which you sold to a thousand inhabitants who immediately became ill from using it. I hadn't counted on their unusual biochemistry, so I did the logical thing. I left in haste. And came here to swindle honest miners. The love potion works, Captain. If you'll allow me to procure some from my ship. Prepare the arrest report, Mr. Spock. I shall require a medical report on the prisoner, Miss Chapel. Of course, Mr. Spock. I think you deserve congratulations for trapping him so cleverly. You exaggerate, nurse. Kindly see that your medical summary is more precise. Your Mr. Spock is really a very attractive intelligence. An efficient officer, yes. But a trifle lacking in the uh, warmer emotions. Now, you, nurse, you have a wonderful gift to heal the wounded. A fantastic touch, a womanly, feminine quality. I appreciate that. And I should like to, well, thank you. What is it? My love potion. Not delusion, not trickery, dear Nurse Chapel. Inside this crystal lies the power to create love. Oh, no. Now, I've heard of your potions before. I don't believe you. Think about it, darling. Mr. Spock in love with you. <laughs> An uncharted star system ahead, Captain. Just like with the character Cyrano Jones, who was played by the same actor, mm -hmm. Harcourt Fenton Mudd is also played by the same actor who played him in the episode. Oh. Binary Sun with a Class M planet. That's rare enough to warrant investigation. Agreed. Take us into orbit, Lieutenant Eriks. It's really so simple, my dear. You rub the liquid on yourself, then touch another person. And it creates love in that person? <laughs> Mud, that is totally absurd. No, it is infallible. 
One touch evokes friendship between men or women. But between woman and man, love. Guaranteed. You're not simply a beautiful woman. You are a scientist. I urge you to take this love crystal as my gift of gratitude to you. Take it, dear Nurse Chapel, and conduct your own experiment. Not that I believe you, but... Well, I suppose I could analyze it. Parking orbit stable. Weapon systems on defensive standby. No evidence of intelligent life. Atmosphere at surface, 800 millibars. Breathable. Gravity, 1.2. Temperature hot, but within Class M limits. I'll let you know the results of my analysis. Laboratory tests would destroy it, my dear. Why not test it the way it's meant to be used? No, I... Uh... Ah, darling, think. If it does what I say it does, Spock will be yours forever, my dear. I just break the capsule and rub it on my skin. And then touch him. What is it? A temporary effect as the liquid is absorbed. It'll pass. Well, I, uh, feel better. Didn't I tell you? You should... You should be in the brig, Harry. Oh, right you are, darling. Why don't you go find Spock? Can't waste any time, you know. Yes, I'll do that. Her ID card. Match him. Right. Yes, nurse. I brought the medical summary for the arrest report, Mr. Spock. Oh, sorry, sir. Are you injured, Miss Chaplin? No. No, I, I'm. I'm fine. Uh, are you? Uh, uh, feeling all right? Perfectly normal. I will append you a summary to the report. Was there something else, Miss Chapman? Wouldn't you like me to, um, well, well, stay? Help you? That would be illogical, Miss Chapman. Yes. Yes. It'd be stupid. But you swindling... Oh, no. He took her phaser, he took her ID. He took them all. To get into the shuttle bag. Harry Mudd, triumphant again. And appended here, too, is a medical summary by Nurse Christine Chapel. Ah, Nurse Chapel's sweet summary. Dear, uh -oh. lovely Christine.
Jabble got come to collect on your guarantee, uh, Mr. Mud. Captain. Um, doctor. I wish to report a um a number of very strange um emotions. What? What? You were implying the potion was not completely successful? Oh, no, it was. I made a complete fool of myself. But you know how cold Vulcans are? Perhaps it takes a bit more time for Spock to... You're the same fraud you've always been, Harry. I don't know how I could have believed you. Well, let's discuss it rationally, my dear. Let's not be hasty. But don't panic, Harry. This phaser is set on stun, not kill. Activate the intercom. Now, wait a minute. Uh, perhaps that particular crystal was defective. Uh, here. Try another. I assure you. Stop it. Uh, sorry, Christine, but I shall require a temporary hostage. Internal security, Captain. Put it on screen. Shuttlecraft Bay. Mud. And he has Christine. She's in danger. My love. <laughs> He's going planetside. No, not with my Christine. Now they all know something's up with Buck. Relax, darling. I'll set you down somewhere safe, and then I'll be off discreetly. We must go after them, Captain. I'll lead a landing party. Spock, you're obviously not yourself. Maybe some rest. Captain, I insist upon going. Christine, I can't stand the thought of any danger to her. To the woman I love. Love? <laughs> Spock. Yes. I want to protect her. Hold her. In my arms. Then I'll transport down with you. Good. Jim, is that wise in his condition? Try and stop him. It's better if I go with him. Spock? In love? You guys have been I through this before imagine. when he was in Pond Bar. Right. <sighs> love. log supplemental. Harry Mudd has escaped from the Enterprise, taking Edner's chapel with him, apparently as a hostage. Meanwhile, Mr. Spock is acting very strange. Come on, hurry. He's armed one hair on her pretty head. Jim, the search party found this in the shuttlecraft bay. One of Mudd's love crystals. Captain, a number of these were broken against the ship's air system grill. Lucky for us, they don't work. Are we sure, Jim? A number of the crew are acting as strange as Spock. Please, Captain. Check it out, Bones. Send me an immediate report. Mud had landed on the planet's surface. Coordinates relayed to transporter room four. And the captain's in transports about it without ever loving Mr. Spock. <laughs> 
are funny and very attractive for a human. They'll find you soon enough, me little puppet. You'll be safe, and I'll be long gone. Gone where? The planet's a desert. There's always a market for an ingenious man. Once, I recall, on Omega Cygni, I turned a handsome profit selling the natives their own oceans. Well, we haven't seen any traces of intelligent life. Of any life. Then you can relax. There's no danger, eh? <laughs> oh, but there is. We'll get you set up top class. Don't bother to thank me. Well, I hadn't planned on it. episode kind of has a rule 34. Okay. Do you know what rule 34 is? I don't. So, so rule 34 states whatever you want to have happen will happen. Such as in Spock and Kirk being madly in love with each other head over heels. Um, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn being madly in love head over heels. Batman and Superman being Madly in love, head over heels, that kind of stuff. That's rule 34. Okay. So, it, this is where it kind of stems from, because as you notice, Kirk and Spock were kind of arm in arm, you know? Right. They do not give them an actual name. Gotcha. Uh, it says here that they were non-intelligent life forms native to the M-class planet near Motherlode. Two uh, varieties are known to exist, a four-legged type and a two-legged type. That's all we really know. Darling! Kirk, get us out of here! 
Transporter room, emergency beam up now. They're not responding. Don't worry. You'll be safe, darling. Oh, yes, Buck. How, how wonderful. Emergency beam up. Enterprise, come in. No response. Spock, can't you take your hands off her? That's my affair. Captain, please. I think we should get a few things straight. Jim. No, Captain. We're both reacting to the drug. The love potion. It worked? Yes. We have to control our emotional reactions. It worked. And I was selling those crystals to lump-headed miners for a miserable 300 credits. Oh. Did I ever tell you about the time I saved Captain Kirk's life? Or Spock's? <coughs> and my dear friend Scotty. And that pretty little Lieutenant Uhura. I've saved just about everybody on this year's ship. If the Enterprise had a heart, I'd save her too. Now oh, let's talk about your heart, my dear. How long does the effect of the potion last, Harry? I... I don't know. Not long, according to the creature <coughs> that I purchased the crystals from. Look! Keep trying to contact the Enterprise. Maybe we can distract them. That is an outstandingly stupid idea. I'm sorry. The drug. I simply doubt that we can appeal to their better nature. If they have one. Harry, do you have any of the crystals left? Uh, two. No, they're worth a fortune. No. My friends, dear Christine. For you. For all of us. Oh, I've got a hangover to shame all previous hangovers. <laughs> and I didn't touch a drop of scotch. You would think Scotty would not have a hangover the way he is. But boy, does he have one. Not so loud, you fool. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, I don't like you much either. Come in, Enterprise. Emergency beam up. Repeat. Emergency. Enterprise here. I made contact. Great. I hope we last long enough to be beamed up. Phase is ready. I'll need help.
miners out of a year's supply of dilithium crystals with fake Federation vouchers. <laughs> May I help you record his confession, nurse? You? You'd be the last person I'd choose. A few moments of love, paid for with several hours of hatred. Your potion is scarcely a bargain, Harry. Ah, well, Spock. So few things in this universe are perfect. <sighs> Think I'll get rehabilitation therapy again? I can guarantee it. Well, that's all right. I just hate to leave you all. All my loved ones. <laughs> If I was Harry, I wouldn't be talking that way. Right? So, Vicky, that was Season 1, Episode 10, Mud's Passion. Now, what did you think of this one? I liked it. Okay, where do you give this one on a scale of 1 to 10? I gave this one a 9. Okay. I will have to give it an 8.5. It could have been a little better. But it was pretty good. So, Vicky, next question on my mind is, who do you think this episode hinged on? Well, just about everyone. No. <laughs> because everybody falls in love with everybody else. Yeah, but that wasn't their their plan. I know. I know this. I'm aware of this. So who do you think this episode Harry ended up? Harry Mudd, okay. the Captain, Spock, mm -hmm. Bones, uh, Scotty. Okay. Nurse Chapel. Okay. So yeah. And Lieutenant Moresh, she did do stuff. Right. Agreed. So anything else? No, I'm good. Alrighty, well... In that case, I guess until next time, I'm William. And I am Vicky. And we will catch you in the next mission. Goodbye.